on earth. The children are being sent, says Pam. She forgot to send them out. I happen to know that they're getting marshmallows in Sunday school. <laughs> so you can ask them afterwards, did you eat your marshmallow? And they'll explain to you what that meant. Let's pray just very quickly. Father, thank you very much that you are God. Thank you that you are here. Thank you that you have forgiven us. Thank you that each day we start anew with you. Thank you that your blood has been sacrificed for us. Thank you that although we are not yet perfect, you are working to form Christ in us, individually and as a church. I do pray that you would do that. And Lord, as we come to the message now, I pray that you would open hearts and minds. Lord, that we would grow in our depth of knowledge of who you are. And we would also be better equipped to, to share your love and your truth with those whom we encounter. Father, I pray that you would use even these, these lips, Lord, unworthy as they are, but would you speak through your spirit. Amen. We are uh, doing a slightly strange... Now, this is just not right. How am I supposed to concentrate all the way from here to here and... Graham, did you forget your deodorant this morning? <laughs> They're on the wrong side, eh? This is crazy. Where's the church? It's empty. Well done, Colin. Well done. Come on, let's, let's shift you all across to this side. Graham, I was going to ask them to move, but can you shift across to the left? Apparently, that's the right side, but it is the left, not the right. So... We're doing a slightly different kind of series uh, this month. Um, what we're going to be looking at is basically, are we prepared to answer, or are we ready to answer when people have questions about what we believe? Can I just have a show of hands? Who here is a Christian? Okay, can I have a show of hands? Who here can tell me why you are a Christian and not a Mormon? Colin? Who here can tell me why you're a Christian and not a JW? Why are you a Christian, not a Muslim? Why are you a Christian, not a... Uh, why don't you read your horoscopes? Maybe you do. It, it's, so often, I think Christians get a bad reputation for not thinking through what we believe. So often we believe what we believe because we've been taught it and we haven't really thought it through. And so what I want to do over the course of, of these four weeks is we're going to be looking at what other people believe and, and why we don't agree. But not just so that we can say, ha, ah, we're right and you're wrong, but also in a sense so that we can wrestle with what we believe and if what we believe is true, we should be then encouraged to tell others. If, as we believe, Jesus is the only way to be saved, surely it is incumbent on us to tell other people, particularly those who think that, that there is another way to be saved. And so what I want us to do is not only wrestle with what others say, but use that to wrestle with what we say. Now, a lot of that, that wrestling is going to be something that you're going to have to do by yourself. 
It's not so much something that I can wrestle for you. We each have to wrestle with the truth of the gospel for ourselves. Um, I've got an interesting question. We'll, we'll cover this more in, in the week three. So we're doing, this week we're looking at the Jehovah's Witnesses. Next week we're looking at Mormonism. Week after we're looking at atheism and uh, secular humanism. And the week after that is open slather any questions that you have. Uh, the, the topic for that week is questions we've been stumped by. Um, show of hands, who here, is, who here can quantify, so in percentage terms, how sure you are of the gospel? So who can give me a zero to a hundred percent? One hundred percent says Val. That's very good. Who can give me a percentage? A hundred? A hundred, a hundred, a hundred, a hundred. John? Zero to a hundred percent. How certain are you that the Bible is true, that the gospel is true, that Jesus rose from the dead? A hundred percent. Boy, you guys are, you guys are super Christians. You know what? I, I believe a hundred percent that that is true. But sometimes I go down to 51%. And if there's a really good argument, it's conceivable that I'll go to 49%. I beg your pardon? Wait till you're 70. But the point is, the point is, we are not meant to just say this is true regardless. When somebody comes to us and says, I want to challenge what you think, they're actually going to challenge us. No. No, we have to be challenged. We can't help it. If somebody comes and says, actually I believe that God says this, and they might have a really good argument, that'll challenge us. You know your heart, yes. That's exactly right. That's, okay, but then, then go home because this sermon series is going to be a waste of time. <laughs> the, the, point, the point is, the point is that, that I want to invite us to struggle with the truths of the gospel. I am convinced that the gospel is true and that if we struggle with it, we will always come out greater than 50% certain. You know what? God doesn't have a check mark saying, right, were you 100% certain that everything I said was true? God's got a list saying, did you trust me? And if you trust him, that's all that's needed. But, but we need to struggle. And sometimes people have really interesting arguments. And they sound like good arguments. And if their arguments are good and their arguments are true and they disprove the Bible, then we're in trouble. Are you uncomfortable? It's exactly right. That's what we did last week. And so this, this, this month is about wrestling. Now, I have a feeling that we are going to come out on top. Uh, I have a feeling that the Bible is true. I, I'm pretty sure that there are answers, that God's Word is true and, and answers all the challenges that come to it, but they have to be challenged. They have to be answered. 
We're doing today Jehovah's Witnesses. Jehovah's Witnesses will come to your door, and I hope you're going to invite them in from this point onwards. And you know what? They are going to be fantastic at pointing out verses at you which seem to say the exact opposite of what you believe. And it's going to be challenging if you deal with Jehovah's Witnesses. But the fact is, we're gonna, when, when we deal with people who don't believe, it's not about us telling them the truth. It's about us journeying with them towards the truth. Okay, I hope I haven't upset you too much. I hope I haven't made you feel uncomfortable. Maybe a little bit. Good, good. Um, hopefully I'm going to give you some answers to show you that, yes, you can trust the Bible. If you trust at 51%, perfect. If you trust at 100%, wonderful. If you're somewhere between 51 and 100%, I don't care where you sit in that spectrum. If you trust Jesus, that's what counts. Let's start. We'll look at the Jehovah's Witnesses. We're going to fire up Wayne if we can. Um, the screen on the top, you'll have to do open LP to desktop. Okay. Fantastic. And now we can start the PowerPoint, hopefully. If it doesn't come up, that's fine. So Jehovah's Witnesses, a a little bit of a a brief history for you guys. Um, Today, according to the website, there are 7,965,954 Jehovah's Witnesses in the world, which is quite a large number. Um, I know that they tend to arrive on on the doorsteps here in Golden Bay fairly frequently. You might know some Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, You might have spoken to some Jehovah's Witnesses. Who's had a visit from the Jehovah's Witnesses? Anywhere, anywhere. Who's invited them in? Who's invited them back? They do. Okay, well hopefully we're going to speak about what we can do for that. So the Jehovah's Witnesses started in, um, um, in the 1800s by Charles Taze Russell. He was a teenager at the time. Uh, he had no formal theological training. Next slide. Thanks, Wayne. Um, he, he founded a Bible class, the people together. They said, we want to make you pastor. 1879, he started a magazine called Zion's Watchtower, uh, which he used to publish his own unique interpretation of the Bible. Uh, And in 1886, he published the first of seven books, which are now titled Studies in the Scriptures. Um, Can I just say, for those of you wondering, when am I going to open the Bible? This is more of a lecture today than a traditional sermon. So what we're going to be doing, we're going to look uh, at what they say about the Bible and what we say about the Bible. Um, Bear with me. There are also notes for you at the back if you want to take them home. Uh, the official name is the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. So you might ask, well, why do we call them Jehovah's Witnesses? Oh, I'll tell you some other things. 1961, they published their version of the Bible. Um, 1914, Jesus came back. Um, I missed that. Uh, 1914, the world ended. It ended in 1915 and 18 and 25 and 41 and 1975. Um, I don't know how it ended so many times. I don't think it ended at all. Um, 
for me, that last line on the previous slide is one of those big things. How can you believe in an organization which claims to speak authentically for God and yet authentically, repeatedly says things that don't happen? So let's have a look. Why do we call them the Jehovah's Witnesses? Um, well, they say that God's real name is Jehovah and that superstitious scribes way back when removed this name from the Holy Scriptures and that their translation, the New World Translation, has faithfully restored it to its place of eminence. Um, one of the ways that they faithfully restore it is by putting it into the New Testament every time um, they think the Father is being referred to, despite the fact that no New Testament writer ever used the word Jehovah, no New Testament writer ever used the word Yahweh, they just used the word Lord, and they used the word God. New World Translation, you'll see the New Testament is littered with the word Jehovah. Um, the way that they insert and, and, and restore words is, is quite indicative for us of how they approach Scripture. Now, if you look at, at the word Jehovah, how they get it, um, in the Old Testament, uh, God's name is, it's spelt Y-H-W-H. Um, the Jews didn't want to pronounce the name of God because God's name is so holy. And so instead of writing out the whole thing with all the vowels, they just wrote the consonants. Now, one of the ways that... that um, if you're reading something, it's really difficult to read because it starts reading like the word to be and then it's got this weird consonant and you just can't pronounce it in the Hebrew. And so what they did is they took the, the vowels from the word Lord, which in Hebrew is Adonai, and they, they stuck it in amongst the letters for Y-H-W-H, Adonai, and they come up with Jehovah. Um, we sing a song called Yahweh. Now, Yahweh is what most scholars today think is probably the original name. So the vowels A and E. Um, is it such a big term to say Jehovah? When we find this term in the Old Testament, it's not the biggest thing in the world. No, but... But the problem, I think, the really big thing is how they insert it into the New Testament. As I said, the New Testament never uses the word YHWH. It uses the word Lord and it uses the word God. Uh, it's simply wrong to say that it uses the word Jehovah. It just doesn't. It doesn't use the word Yahweh. Um, now what they tend to do is they pick and choose which Lord they translate as Jehovah. When it refers to Jesus, they translate it Lord. When they, trans when, when they say it relates to God, they translate it Jehovah. And they do this because according to the Jehovah's Witnesses, Jesus is not Jehovah, and so you can't say Lord is Jesus, and you can't say Lord is Jehovah. And it, it, it's basically, you, you pick and choose according to what your theology says in their translation. One of the, uh, the interesting things is that none of the translators of the New World Translation were actually, the original one, were actually Greek or Hebrew scholars. 
um, there were six of them. One of them studied Greek for two years and taught himself Hebrew. The rest of them had a high school education. And yet somehow they were able to translate from the original languages. Um, you can study Greek and Hebrew for years and years and years and still have trouble translating it. Um, there is a new version. One of the problems with the new version, as with the old version, is that they refuse to give us the credentials of, of who actually translated the new version. The new version came out last year. It is nearly identical to the version that I'm talking about here. The, the credentials were leaked uh, back in the 1960s or 70s, uh, and we found out that only one of them had any qualifications at all. Now, when it comes to the authority of Scripture, uh, Jehovah's Witness will knock on your door and tell you that they believe that the Bible is their authority. And that sounds right, and that, and that sounds like something that you and I, if we're Christians, would agree to. The Bible is the basis on which we take our stand. But in practice, unfortunately, um, the publications of the Watchtower Society take precedence over the Bible. Uh, in fact, uh, the Watchtower Society says that they are the sole collective channel for the flow of biblical truth to men on earth. Or to put it another way, uh, this is what they said in 1910, the, the founder of the movement said that if you had been reading their scripture studies, so their publications for 10 years, and then you put it aside and started reading just the Bible, they said that within two years, that person goes into darkness, i.e. stops becoming a Jehovah's Witness. On the other hand, if that person had merely read the scripture studies with their references and not read a page of the Bible as such, that person would be in the light at the end of two years because he would have had the light of scriptures. So you see what's happening here. They, they say, we believe the Bible is our sole authority, but not in as much as I read it for myself, in as much as it is interpreted for me by the society. Now when it comes to you and I, one of the things I really want you guys to do, and, and I expect you to do, is to read your Bibles. And whenever I say something up the front, uh, it is incumbent on all of us. In fact, whoever says it at the front, we are to read it for ourselves and say, is that the truth? Is that what the Bible is actually saying? Because unfortunately, what, what the Watchtower Society is very good at doing is, is taking a verse out of context and saying this is the truth. And then you're not encouraged to read the verse for yourself in context. You're just supposed to obey and say that is what the Bible says. Yes, it might be what the Bible says, but it's not what the Bible means in that context. Um, as I said, typically we'd find JWs quoting at us select verses that, for example, prove beyond a, a skerrick of doubt that Jesus is not equal to the Father. Um, and quite often we Christians find it really difficult to answer because we're not that literate when it comes to the Bible. I think one of the ways when a Jehovah's Witness comes to the door, remember we're not trying to speak at them, we're trying to journey with them. 
And so one of the ways to do this is when they, when they read out a verse, is to get out their Bible, get out our Bible, your Bible, and slowly read it through with them. Read the context with them. Invite them to explore it with you. Don't just say to them, that's wrong, that's out of context. Because if somebody tells me something is wrong and out of context, that's one thing. If I read it and discover that for myself, that's a whole lot more powerful. Let's move on. Uh, what do the Jehovah's Witnesses mean by salvation? Or, or how is one saved? Now we know that if you look through the Bible, there's about 200 times where the Bible is pretty clear that we are saved by faith alone. The only way to be made right with God is to trust in Jesus. Uh, John 3.15, read it in context please. John 3.15 says that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. Whoever believes in Jesus has eternal life. John 20.31, at the end of the gospel, John is, is summing up why he's written it. He says, I've written all of these things so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, again, read it in context when you get home. For it is by grace that you have been saved by faith, and not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. It is a key foundational truth of Christianity that we are saved by trusting in Jesus and that nothing we can do can make us right with God. Nothing. But for the Jehovah's Witnesses, salvation is not seen as the free gift from God based on Jesus' work on the cross. Now, there is a little bit of semantics happening in their arguments here because they will say to you, yes, we believe that, that what we do doesn't earn us salvation. Our good works don't earn us salvation. But our good works are a prerequisite for salvation. In other words, you have to obey all of Jehovah's laws. You have to associate with and you have to obey the Watchtower Society. Um, including things like no blood transfusions, no birthdays, no holidays. And you have to tell other people, uh, distribute the Watchtower tracts, go door to door. So how do they deal with, with passages that speak about grace and the free gift of God? Well, according to Watchtower theology, um, Grace is the chance to work out your salvation. It's the chance to work out your salvation. It's the chance to earn your salvation. Um, they do say that Jesus died on a stake, not a cross, but leave that aside. They do say that Jesus died as a sacrifice for sin, but they say that his human life was exactly corresponding to Adam's human life. And so all that Jesus' death did was to take away original sin. So we are now free from original sin, which means we only have to deal with our own sin, and we deal with our own sin by doing good works. The point of all this is that 
Jehovah's Witness theology is a theology of fear. Just like most religions in the world. It's a theology of you have to do good enough. In fact, according to, to uh, Jehovah's Witness theology, you can be a, a JW your whole life and you can never be sure that you are saved. The only way that you can be saved is if you are constantly and unbendingly standing against sin and standing by the Watchtower Society. That's the only way to be saved. And we, we need to remember that when somebody comes knocking at the door, they're doing that because if they don't do that, they believe they're going to hell. Actually, they don't because they don't believe in hell. <laughs> they just believe that they won't go into paradise. They do speak about being born again, Jehovah's Witnesses, except not anymore. Being born again, they don't believe in a physical resurrection. They believe that Jesus was resurrected, a spirit creature, and he went to heaven. And so there are going to be 144,000 people who get to go to heaven as spirit creatures, kind of like angel-type beings. Um, but unfortunately, that's full up. Sorry. Um, no more people going to heaven through the JW system. If, if you behave yourself really well, you get to be on the new, new earth, the paradise, and you get to be ruled by those who are already in heaven. That's a brief history. That's what they think of the Bible. That's their view of salvation. But the most important point when we speak about our faith and other faiths particularly those who claim to follow Jesus, is who is their Jesus? Quite often you'll be told if JW visits your door and you say to them, oh, I'm a Christian. Um, one of the answers is, oh, we're Christians too. Or, oh, I believe in Jesus. We believe in Jesus too. And they believe in Jesus in a sense, yes but not in the same way that we do. Um, the Jehovah's Witness claim is that Jesus is not God incarnate, but that he is actually a created angel, Michael, the archangel, um, and that God used this created angel to create all the rest of the universe. They say that if you look through um, the Bible, there is no biblical reference saying that Jesus is Yahweh. Or Jesus is Jehovah. And they're absolutely right because the word Jehovah or Yahweh is never used in the New Testament. But by the same token, and they don't tell you this, there is no biblical reference that says that the Father is Yahweh or Jehovah. Explicitly. And throughout the Bible, we see Yahweh's glory and Jesus' glory are, are always equated. What is true of God is true of Jesus. That's what the Bible shows us, but that's not what they believe. I've got a, uh, one of my reference books here. Is Reasoning from the Scriptures with the Jehovah's Witnesses. There's about four pages in there showing you Bible verses that say something about God and Bible verses that say exactly the same thing about Jesus. Unfortunately, um, that's not what they believe. They do believe that, that Michael the angel came to earth and was transformed into a human. 
Um, they say that when he died, he became non-existent. And that he was recreated or raised three days later as an invisible spirit creature. He was Michael the angel again. So he was an angel, he was a human, he was an angel. Um, one of the, the book studies in scripture says that we deny that he was raised in the flesh and we challenge any statement to that effect as being unscriptural. Now if you were here last week and the week before, we looked at 1 Corinthians 15 and Paul's whole point there is that if Jesus was not raised with a physical body, then we are to be pitied more than any other people. Because if Jesus was not raised with a human body, if Jesus was not God, if Jesus was not God-man, the whole Bible falls in on itself. And our, our confidence rating should be zero. Zilch. So how on earth can the Jehovah's Witnesses come to our door and say to us, well, Jesus is a created being? Um, I had them around uh, a while back, and, and they did bring out, well, they've got a few verses, but the one that they like to start with is Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 to 17. Let's just bring up the next slide. Well, I'll read it for you in the New World Translation, the 2013 translation. It says, um, it is by means of him, Jesus, by him, means of him, all other things were created in the heavens and on the earth, the things visible and the things invisible, whether they are thrones or lordships or governments or authorities. All other things have been created through him and for him. Also, he is before all other things, and by means of him, all other things were made to exist. You see what they're, they're saying? They're all other things were made by Jesus. Implication, Jesus was made first. The NIV puts it this way. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, thrones, powers, rulers, authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. In him all things hold together. Now, it's, it's quite similar, isn't it? But notice that, that four times the word other has been inserted. As I said, it makes it sound like Jesus was first created and then used by God to create everything else. Now, if you go back to the 1984 version of the New World Translation, they actually bracket the word other. One of the enhancements of the 2013 version is that they've taken out the brackets. Now, the reason they put the brackets in in the first place, um, they, they said in the 1984 version, was to contribute to smoother English without changing the meaning of the text. In other words, they put the word other in because it makes it better English without changing the meaning of what it says. Which sounds nice. It's a good translation principle except it doesn't work in this verse. It doesn't work at all. In fact, if you go to their interlinear, and interlinear is a Bible that has the Greek text, a literal translation of the words in the Greek, uh, and then the translation underneath it. Uh, and the New World Translation interlinear shows this all other things, 
at the bottom line, but in the middle it shows, yes, actually the word is just all things. So even their scholarly apparatus shows that, that their translation is totally off. So how do we deal with, with things like this? If a Jehovah's Witness comes to your door and says, ah, but the Bible says that through him all other things were created. Uh, the way to deal with it is not to say, yes, but my NIV... Uh, can we go back one? Oh, no, stay on that one. Thanks, Wayne. The way to deal with it is not to say, my NIV says all things. Because according to Jehovah's Witnesses, the NIV is a corrupt text. It's been badly translated. What you do is you say, well, let's, let's see from your translation even... Um, use your Bible, uh, because these verses will, will be pretty the same in each of them, that this verse actually doesn't make sense with what the rest of the Bible says. The fact is that the Bible says that only God, only Yahweh, only Jehovah is the Creator. We can go to places like Isaiah forty-four twenty-four, which says, I, the Lord, I am the Lord, am the maker of all things. I have stretched out the heavens by myself, and I have spread out the earth all alone. That's the new American standard, or this one. Um, I am the Lord who made all things. I alone stretched out the heavens. Who was with me when I made the earth? And then you can go to John chapter 1, verse 3, which quite clearly says that the Word is the creator of all things. And you look at them and you say, well, well, surely these two verses say that the Word is the one who created, but Isaiah says that God is the only one who creates, Yahweh is the only one who creates, Jehovah alone creates. Therefore, surely if Jehovah alone creates and the Word creates, the Word must be Jehovah. And what you've translated here in Colossians is rubbish. It doesn't match with what the rest of the Bible says. See, this is, this is what we need to do when somebody uh, uh, throws a verse at us and says, Ha! Gotcha! We take it and we look at that verse and we read it in context and we read it in context of the rest of the Bible. Perhaps then they'll say to you, Ha! How dare you use John chapter 1? Um, not much longer. I'll, I'll be quick. Are you guys surviving? Okay, John chapter 1, fantastic verse. Can we fire that up for us? Uh, the next slide? Oh, next slide, sorry, these two are in the wrong order. Um, in the beginning, they'll bring out their Bible for you and read on the left top hand side. In the beginning, John chapter 1 verse 1, was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was a God. Now, our Bibles are more like in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And they'll say to you, Ha! 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 Your Bible translation is flawed! Um, it's quite clear why they like the other side, why they like their translation, because it makes Jesus less than God. It makes Him a created being. He is not God Almighty. He is just a little g God. He's a mighty being. They claim that when the Greek word for God, theos, doesn't have an article, like a word the in the Greek in front of it, you've got you to basically put the word a. Now, sorry for grammar. 
when a singular predicate noun, like this one, has no definite article the, and it occurs before the verb, as it does there, this points to a quality about someone. This is their rule. So, uh, the rule says you have to put a there because it's talking about he's got godly qualities. So he's a god. That sounds like quite a nice rule, doesn't it? Except it doesn't work. Um, I mean, in their book, Let God Be True, they say he was a God, but he was not God Almighty. This is actually quite an old Christian heresy. It's, it's one called Arianism, after Arius, um, which basically teaches that Jesus is different in substance from the Father. He is not one with God. Now, they believe he is an angel, which is obvious that he's not God. So how do we respond when they bring out John 1.1 1, 1, and they have this fancy Greek grammar rule that seems to... Like if somebody brought out that rule to you, you'd go, oh, really? Oh, Like it sounds good. It sounds scholarly. How do we respond to that? Well, there's two ways to respond. First off, we can point out that saying that there is Almighty God and a lesser God is something that the Bible absolutely goes against. We can take them to verses like Deuteronomy 32, 39, which says, See now that I, even I, am He, and there is no God beside me. Or Isaiah 45, 5, and uh, the Bible's just full of these because God does not broker any people who claim to be him. God says, I am the Lord in Isaiah 45, 5, and there is no other beside me. There is no God. And so basically you can say to them, well, all these verses say that there is only one God. So is Jehovah God? Yes, Jehovah is God. Um, is Jesus Jehovah? No, he's not. What is Jesus? Oh, he's a God. But God says there is only a true God. There is only one. So is, is Jesus a true God or a false God? Oh no, he's a true God. But you only, there's only one true God. Oh, he's a false God. Then why do you listen to anything he says? The, the whole argument falls apart really quickly. Now, this rule over here, I'm all for grammatical rules, but this exact rule with the word God in the Greek occurs 282 times, exactly like this, and they apply it 16 times. Now, if a rule applies 16 out of 282 times, I think that's about 6%. That's not a rule. That, that's something handy to say what you want to say when you want to say it. Um, in fact, if we applied the rule to all nouns and not just God, it would be nonsensical. So the New World Translation puts, um, what's that, 1 John um, one John one six. It says there came a man who was sent as a representative of God. His name was John. Now, if we applied their rule to that sentence, 
it would read, There was a man who was sent as a representative of a God. His name was a John. <laughs> now, John 1 1 is one of the big verses that a Jehovah's Witness will say to you proves that Jesus is not God, but, but it just doesn't stack up. John 1 1 and 2 is one of the clearest statements in the Bible saying that Jesus is God. And yes, John doesn't, John's actually really careful not to put a the in front of God there. Because he's not trying to say that you can interchangeably say God and the Word. Because for John, he knows that, that although the Word, Jesus, is God, he is not the same person as God. This is the mystery of the Trinity, that, that there is one God but three persons. And, and John, by using the grammar that he uses, is, is just hitting home with that. Let's finish, because we've gone over time, and I'm so sorry for that. What are you going to do when a Jehovah's Witness arrives at your door? It's tempting to say, go away, I'm a Christian, and I don't want to be challenged by what you say. I don't want to have to think through what I believe. I've got my stuff all sorted out nicely. This is what I believe. I don't want to be challenged. Our motto of the church, and, and I believe God's motto for the world, is, is that we should love people. Our motto is loving God and loving people. And it's not loving to send those away who come knocking at the door wanting to speak about things of eternity. I think we've seen just a few things on the overhead today that speak about how they have been given the equivalent of spiritual cyanide to eat. And if that's the case, surely we have a responsibility to tell them of their only chance to live. There's a few things we should do. We should encourage them to examine their beliefs. And you know what? It's not just about us saying, ha, you need to examine your beliefs. It's about coming alongside and saying, let's together examine what we believe. Let's see which of what we believe stacks up. I'm going to put what I believe on the line. You put what you believe on the line. Let's explore it together. Now, I'm sure that Christianity is going to win out because it's true. But we have to put it on the line. Find common ground. When Paul went to Athens, he saw a statue there, the great prophet, the great prophet, the great apostle. He saw a statue there to an unknown God. In fact, he was very angry because all throughout the city there were idols and temples and all sorts of things, and they were worshiping false gods. Now, Paul could have gone in there and said, Ah! How dare you worship false gods? Wrath of God upon you! Oh, that was fun. You know, doesn't do that. Paul, you read it in about Acts 17, he goes in there, he says, okay, men of Athens, I see you're so religious. And you've even got a statue to an unknown God. Let me tell you about him. 
And he started from there and told them all about Jesus. It's the same with Jehovah's Witnesses. These are people who are desperate to, to serve God. They want to know Him. Isn't that a starting point? We can say, yes, I also want to know God. I also want to serve Him. Let's, let's work together to see what that means from the Bible. You say it's your only authority. Let's work from it. Um, the other thing is to take your time. Um, it's quite easy to get them into your house and fire off 15 points why they're wrong. If we take our time and we, we slow them down when they, they give a verse after verse after verse and you say, let's just talk about that verse for a while. And if we're honestly putting ourselves on the line saying, you know, I want to journey through with this with you. I'm exploring as much as you. Surely then we can say to them, hey, we've been talking for half an hour about Colossians. How about you come back next week and we'll talk some more? Now, will they? Sometimes they won't. I've, I've had J-dubs come back three or four times. The, the thing is, is not to make them feel like they are lesser, but to make them feel like they're journeying with you. That's, it's actually how we deal with anyone. The only way to convince someone is to journey with them and to be as on the ground with them as they are. You can ask some leading questions. You can say, well, tell me about the world ending five or six times. And, and in that way, undermine the authority of the Watchtower Society. But the most important thing to do, well, I'm going to say two things. We need to read our Bibles. And we need to be willing to read in context. And we need to pray. Matthew was at music practice and he said, what's the point of speaking to Jehovah's Witnesses? Because they are so sure of what they believe. Who isn't sure of what they believe? until it's changed. And the only one who can change is God. You know, we can show the flaws in the translation. We can show the weird ideas of the world ending. We can show how their understanding of Jesus is different to ours. But at the end of the day, the only way for them to come to know Jesus is for God by his Spirit to open their eyes. And so when you hear that knock on the door, pray. And when you're talking, pray. And when you invite them back, you pray like mad that they come back. And when they come back, pray and then ignore the fact that you were about to do something else and spend time with them. That's easier said than done. But let's pray. Father, help us to pray. Help us to grow in our knowledge of you, that we might be ready with an answer to all those who ask. Lord, we don't have all the answers. Um, we don't know all there is to know of you. But we believe that everything that we need to know is given in your word, in the Bible. Help us to grow in our understanding and knowledge of you and help us to, to boldly and gently with love share that with all 
who would listen. Amen. Now, I hope you've survived. That is a slightly different sermon. Uh, you've had to put up with Nicholas in lecturer mode. Um, unfortunately, you're going to have to do it again next week because we're going to look at the Mormons. Um, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, you can ask them afterwards because we're running very late. Um, there are, if you want any of the slides, there's a copy for everyone on the back table. You can take it home, read it for yourself. Um, my books, where did I put them? This book is incredible. If I, if I could have, I would have preached the whole of this book. Most of the sermon comes from here. I said to Taryn, Taryn, this book says exactly what I want to say. How do I preach all of that in 30 minutes? Well, I haven't managed. <laughs> um, but if you want to borrow it, fantastic read. Over to our illustrious Pamela. Pamela.